no idea if this is going to actually like work, you know, and potting it down and whatnot. But anyway, it's the uh, Chance of Gaming podcast, and uh, we're back and mostly put together for uh, this episode 94. I'm Adam. What was that charming little ditty? Uh, it's a band <clears throat> out of uh, Memphis called Knots. N-O-T-S. They're an all-female punk band. And uh, I've seen them a couple times oh, okay. in concert, and I just dig that sound that they have. Oh, uh, right. I, yeah, I love, like, all the songs are, like, a minute 45 seconds. <laughs> so, As yeah, they should be. You know, it's just, it's <laughs> it's quick, it's fast, it's dirty, you know, and, yeah, it's cool. Anyway, so uh, that would be Richard, not cool, boy. Ugh, see, I'm, I'm so used to fucking saying it. That would be Shannon and Roy. <laughs> Shannon Roy, as you can hear. And, and that's Adam up top there that I interrupted, right as he was saying his name. Mm. So it's, it's me. <laughs> so, yeah, here we are, episode 94. And, uh, yeah, got a Patreon. This is a chance of gaming. I actually have started, uh, I did a stream the other night in my new studio, which took, oh my gosh, it's been one problem after another that I have just absolutely struggled. Like, every single weekend, I get to spend, like, you know, 18 hours fixing a problem and then something else breaks. And I've just been doing that for weeks now. And yeah, finally I got it going and I got one message is like, Hey, there's an echo in the audio. And I immediately muted the right thing and it, it seems to work. So hopefully we'll uh, continue going with that. I did my Goodman games, uh, black Friday haul. Well, at least half of it came in. And uh, that's what I was uh, streaming. And you'll see that on Patreon as well. So, Anyway. See, the key yeah. to, to avoiding those problems is to just not start any projects and just be totally unambitious. That's, I cracked the code. That's true. I mean, I always have way too many projects. It's always, it's like, I just, nah, I just half-ass everything. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't I have. I arguably don't have enough projects. I don't, you know, I don't have enough time to whole ass anything, so I have to half ass everything. Maybe if I wasn't half assing everything, I could whole ass something. But anyway, no. So uh, I'm very curious. I see on here, Shannon, you actually watched the A Team movie. You did, you did that for us because we, we wouldn't do it. Um, Two and a half times in the last couple of weeks, um, and. And we have seen it previously. Um, okay. It is, um, it's an origin story. So it is, it is a reboot. Um, it takes place during some portion of the most recent war in Iraq. Uh, some, at some point after we were supposed to stop going to Baghdad. Whatever mm -hmm. that was supposed to be. And, so it does not uh, yeah. revolve around around Vietnam, is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. Okay. Uh, right. the, the team is pulled together for uh, a mission in the cold opening, and uh, they sort of come together partly haphazardly, and the plan comes together, and they spend the next 10 years doing 80 missions, and then this is going to be like, their final mission and it goes sideways because there are bad guys involved and they end up in uh -huh. prison. And so basically this is um, a version of the story that's implied in the TV shows opening crawl 
voiceover. Now, I, and it takes so they, right up. Yeah. They did the Star Trek, uh, they gave it the Star Trek treatment and, and kind of pulled it forward into a different era then, is that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. Or, or they did the Marvel thing and just sort of rolled the whole thing forward and it's always the most recent whatever. Um, uh, that's, that's Marvel Comics notorious. Everything mm -hmm. has happened in the last seven years. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, I would like to thank George Bush for helping us keep our, uh, you know, stuff fresh, our, our um, IPs fresh. We could pull them out of Vietnam <laughs> and just drop them right on into Iraq. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when, where, you know, anything no, is just there. The, the point is that they're getting screwed over by, by command. Uh, but it does have one of my very favorite lines in any movie ever. Uh, there's a sequence where they are almost going to escape in a cargo plane, but don't quite and have to evacuate the plane in a tank. Okay. And the parachutes on the tank deploy, um, but they don't hold particularly well. And there's a lake not quite under them. And Hannibal starts barking out orders. And some of the people who've been chasing them around are all, what are they doing? Are they trying to shoot down the other drone? And the begrudging villain, and she's not a villain, she's an adversary. And she doesn't mm -hmm. want to be an adversary, but she is. And she looks at them and she says, no, they're trying to fly the tank. <laughs> uh, so you're okay. saying it's it's uh, authentic yes. combat stories. All right. <laughs> 100 percent so were any fools pitied in this um, show or in this movie? Maracas has a fool tattooed on the knuckles of his right hand and pity on the knuckles of his left hand. Um, okay. Let's see. Fools were tossed around. I don't specifically remember anybody being pitied as a fool. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, but it's nicely constructed with uh, several uh, highly explosive set pieces. Um, and the characters are all the way you want them to be. And mm -hmm. and it ends at the point where the original TV show voiceover begins. Now, where they're on. I, all right. now I, will, I will point out that um, the current average, uh, the, age, the current age range for a Vietnam veteran is 61 to 103 years old. So if you could imagine, you know, a bunch of pensioners essentially just you know pulling off shenanigans and stuff doing the thing 103 yeah 19 whatever 1919 which would make somebody 50 in active duty in 69 now okay. uh, i i remember you know as a kid it came out in 83 and it was like you know it's just the coolest fucking show ever you know um I always remember like wondering what kind of weird guns they had, and when I got older, it's their Ruger Mini Fourteens is what they are. They just have a weird. They have a thing on the front of it to because they're shooting blanks to kind of help protect the actors, and oh. also another piece of A Team trivia: uh, standard NBC standards and practices required them to show. Like, you know, it, it's famous for, like, their big explosions, car wrecks, all that kind of stuff. 
mm-hmm. they were required to show that nobody got hurt. So if like a, a, there was a car, you know, did a flip and flew, rolled down a cliff and exploded, they would then cut away and cut back and two guys would be crawling out of the wreckage. It's so weird yeah. to actually go back and watch it now and expect <laughs> that every time. But yeah, we'll have to keep our eyes open for our children, our younger children. Uh, will occasionally ask to watch the TV show. Where do you find that at? That is on Netflix. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't have Netflix at the moment, so. Now I was going to say uh, Peacock, if not Netflix, because that's NBC's little streaming thing. Oh yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. true. It could it could end up there any day. Mm-hmm. Right next to Star Trek. No, Star Trek's on Paramount. Yep. What would be on NBC? All kinds of crap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sequest. DSV. Uh, I love that show. Uh, the Office is famously over there. You know, they offered Netflix like a zillion dollars to keep it, and they're like, nah, we're going to start our own thing. <laughs> wow. I never watched that show. Oh, that's good. You've never seen The Office? Really? Okay. That's good. No. You know, uh, I rewatch it at least once a year. Um, Holy cow. There's a the last couple of seasons aren't the greatest, but you want to see the end the last couple of episodes just because they tie it up. So yeah. So what else have you got on here? You've got um Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Yeah, it's a early Victorian era British mystery on PBS. Uh, Miss Scarlet is a private investigator. She inherited her father's business and she's down on her luck but very prim and always smarter than everyone around her. And the Duke is a cop and he's Scottish and sparks fly. It's a, it's a, it's a nice show. Okay. Hmm. All right. I had never heard of that one. There are, they are into their third season, British season. So there's like 12 episodes, but uh, we just started watching the third season on our PBS passport subscription and all you other people who watch over the air tv can start watching it in january <laughs> all right let me let me just say all you peasants um <laughs> the pbs the pbs pass system is a little triggering for me because oh, uh, when uh i worked for pbs my local pbs affiliate for years um I when they came out with that, I was like, "Hey, can we get that for free? You know, that'd be a nice little employee perk. You know, it, it certainly yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't cost you anything." They were like, "No, fuck you! Donate money. That's how you get it." And so, yeah, I was just a little offended by that. So, can I have a five dollar a month raise? Yeah, I know, right? No <laughs> shit. That's what I should. Ah, oh, damn it, that was good. Like, sure, we'll just give me a five dollar a month raise, and I'll get right on that. <laughs> Oh my goodness! They just pass that five bucks around. Mm-hmm. It's like being an indie creator. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> I have it. And it goes over here, and yeah. So, so uh, you've got uh, T and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin on here, and yeah, I okay. I'm very curious to see. Just reading the description, it talks about the lone surviving turtle. Okay. Yep. And without, let's see, Roy and I this just came out. Okay. This year. Roy and I will each we we only get one guess we each get one guess as to who it is, and I, I kind of want to try to rationalize it. Like uh, my personal favorite 
has always been Michelangelo, but I, I think he's too pure for this world. So it can't be him. So I, I think uh, Leonardo being the leader, eh, that's a possibility. I think Donatello is the easy choice, so that, that wouldn't be it. So I'm going to go for Raphael. Who do you who, who do you think, Roy? My my turtle lore is not nearly that deep, but Raphael was the first uh, first name that came to mind. All right, Shannon, who is it? All right, uh, you are incorrect. Would you like me to give you a brief plot synopsis and take another guess? Uh, sure. Go ahead. All right. So this turtle has been out, um, all by himself for sixteen years in the wilderness and has made his way back to New York, and the descendant of Shredder is in charge of Manhattan, and he's a mean, mean, mean person. And um, it's not terribly clear to me how two of the turtles met their end, but one of them met his end with um, their sensei. Splinter. uh, Splinter, thank you. uh, During what were supposed to be peace negotiations with the foot. And uh, that left the last one on his own, entering the wilderness, trying to figure out who he is and what he needs to do. And then he figures it out and he comes back and he does it. So, okay, I'm thinking it's not a spoiler because I'm sure you find out who this turtle is at the very first issue, right? Um, Maybe at the beginning of the second one. Okay, okay. Um, but I read a I read a hardbound uh, collection. Okay. Mm. So okay, so the dilemma is: do we spoil it for our our thousands of listeners? Well, we've one quarter spoiled it already. Okay. Well, hmm. I mean, we know. Fuck, it's got to be one of them. I mean, shit, that's the that's the whole thing. So <laughs> all right, so you said not Raphael. So okay, let me ask you this: Is it one of the original four turtles? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. So this is a story that um, that apparently the creators um, they didn't really sketch it out, but they had kind of an idea at the beginning uh, what a suitable final story might kind of look like, like Marvel: so, The End, and you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, old, they, they old man do, Logan. You know, lots of things have happened. Lots of people have held onto the IP and done lots of things with it. So I don't really have any opinions on how this all fits into continuity um but as a standalone story this does wrap up the four original turtles story okay so uh the easy guess would be since it's the last ronin and ronins use samurai swords it's got to be leonardo what do you think what do you think roy i'm yes Okay. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm with Roy. Actually, I'm. Um, uh, my lore was my lore was weak, but I couldn't resist picking up the book when it came across uh, my my opportunity. Um, are you ready? Did I do this? Yeah. Go ahead. Michelangelo. Yay! Awesome. Yes, my boy. I thought it was too pure for this world. Turns well, out that that you're that's a very um, apt thing. Uh, really, given the way the story winds up being told. Uh, okay. Too pure for this world uh, is definitely a legitimate element. Hmm. I, what I find fascinating about it, uh, and 
believe it was in that uh the toys that made us documentary one of those are uh, they talk about like just the ninja turtles in general being created and the two guys had a falling out and you know at some point they thought that was it they had rang the last drop out of the water out of the well and one guy was just like fuck it i'm tired of this i'm tired of dealing with you buy me out and the guy was like okay i will bought him out and then right after that they got that new nickelodeon series do you remember that like uh what like eight eight years ago you know 10 years ago and yeah it's just been blowing up ever since so yeah it sucks Eh, poor dude but yeah so uh okay y'all been watching uh wednesday i have not sat down and watched it um, no, but I see the ads for it, and I'm I'm intrigued. It's another it's another uh, Netflix show. Uh, it gets the it's 2022, and we've got a teenage protagonist in our IP treatment. Uh, so it's a supernatural mystery thriller set in uh, an Adams family world. Uh, it's a eight episode series. Um, and I'm conflicted about it, to be honest. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Um, it's weird to take the idea of the Adams family and stretch it out across eight episodes, um, with, uh, with a plot that doesn't really center the family, um, they're crucial to some of the backstory um, and it matters, but uh, like the movies, you know, the movies were, these are movies about the Adams family and we're going to show you how kooky they are, but also how welcoming they are as long as you're not a jerk. And um, this, uh, this does something different and some people online have been really pretty irritated with it. Um, so it's just, not it's comedy. Like, then, like the Adams no. family is, or was. No, not really. Um, okay. There's the there's the Wednesday Adams thing of being um, morbid and uh, apparently homicidal, mm-hmm. um, and that gets played for laughs, but it doesn't it doesn't hold together, and most of the tone is. Holy cow, this is a terrible mystery. Something awful is just about to happen. Okay. And uh, uh, Christina Ricci has a cameo in it, too, as I heard, right? Um, a, a bit more than a cameo. Um, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, she's in it um, as one of the teachers at the school, Wednesday Adams, uh, finds mm-hmm. herself attending. Okay. I will say that uh, the Herman Munster thing of the Munsters on Netflix is awesome. It's I I watched it. That is a lot more successful. Yeah, it's super entertaining. Talking about the Rob Zombie movie. Yeah, yeah. It's super. Oh, that's on Netflix. Yeah. It's damn. I gotta get Netflix again because I've been kind of interested in seeing that. It's super duper campy, and you know, it's 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 great. I really dug it. It, It reminded me so much of the actual you know, old show. So anyway, which I mean, you know, Rob Zombie kind of has a certain reputation 
um, as being a weirdo, you know, and he's a, a pretty acclaimed filmmaker these days, but um, like all of his music was was pretty uh, pretty shocking, to be honest. I mean, I dig it, but I, it seems like the sort of thing that would really, um, uh, you know, get the church ladies up. And- well, in, in my last uh, DC dcc game last tuesday we were we ran into some witches and we all got into the whole wait are we supposed to dig through the ditches and burn them through the witches it's like, yeah we just we, we couldn't remember the lyrics and then i'm over here yep. like the fucking remix to that song is way better than the original song and uh yeah so <laughs> mm-hmm. is that um who do, who does the remix of it um, I think he did. Uh, it is Dragula okay. Remix. Damn it, I should have started with this Her- Hot Rod Herman oh. Remix. I don't know who does it. <laughs> you know. Okay. Where it came yeah, from. Yeah, I dig that song. It has a lot of energy to it. It's a good song to go for a run on. I love the fact that it has the sound of a CD skipping in it, uh, like on a lyric, and it's just a really <laughs> cool sound. And yeah, anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I finally watched Weird this past weekend, and uh, I think uh, Shannon, you had seen this. Oh, 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 yes. Okay. So I did not realize that it was going to be a parody from from front to back. I oh. mean, I knew it was it was supposed to be a parody. I didn't realize it was going to be like wholly a parody. Um. Well, how did but you yeah, it's, I was I was amused by it, and was, there were quite a few cameos in there that were kind of fun to look for. Yeah, um, like Josh Groban plays a waiter, and he's like he does. I don't, I'm not even sure if he even has any lines. He's just in there. Right. Well, who would so. turn down that opportunity? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, did you? Um, at what point did you realize? Oh, this is never going to turn straight. Um, really from the first scene. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was that As one he's... scene with uh, traveling salesman that I still am uncomfortable about. Oh, where, okay, where, where dad essentially beats him to within an inch of his life? Yeah, yeah, that, that felt off tone to me. Okay, yeah. Well, and it's, you know, um, as far as artists go, like Weird Al's reputation is squeaky, squeaky clean. And so, yeah, yeah some of that stuff was um, a little a little over the top. So. <laughs> yeah. But I like that he was in it, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and then the, uh, the pool party, Dr. Demento's pool party, it was kind of fun picking out all the people there. So there was a character that played, or somebody that played Tiny Tim. Yep. There was somebody that played Frank Zappa. There was somebody that played Divine. Yep. Um, all these, all these weird characters from the from the seventies and eighties were were at Doctor Demento's pool party. Yeah. And the other thing I liked the uh, the nod to Harry Potter, where um, Al says, Ask, "Were you going to be my mentor?" And Dr. Demento says, on the contrary, I'm going to be your D-mentor. <laughs> That's right. 
So I noticed anyway. that I didn't catch the second meeting. Very well thought. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so I saw that this past weekend. And then Adam, you saw Black Adam? Uh yeah, we talked about that last time, didn't we? Or did we? I don't know. Oh. Have we talked about Black well, I Adam? Guess I'm not sure. I don't know. Just in case, uh, I guess briefly. Yep. I saw it. I mean, I dug it. I uh, I, there was a com- uh, a trailer for the Shazam sequel right before it, so I was like, okay, well, that's nice, makes sense, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I liked it. You know, it was good. I, of course, I'm a big Haw- Hawkman mark, but the reality was uh, I described it on social media as I re- I you know I went and watched uh, the Justice Society with special guest star Black Adam, and it was okay. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what it was, so, yeah. Of all the weird things that have happened with DC over the years, I think one of the weirdest things to me is how disconnected Black Adam has gotten from Shazam. Like how those two characters have gone in such wildly divergent directions in the pages of the DC universe. It's weird. He's like basically Dr. Doom in the sense of he rules his own little country and that's about all he cares about. It's just like, hey, you know, I I'm the, I rule over here. You know, don't bother me. I won't bother you kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah. It reminded me so much of Doctor Doom with the uh, I can't think of the name of it, whatever. But yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good comparison. And of course, uh, Fantastic Four is is something that uh, Marvel cannot seem to get right. So there you go. I mean, <laughs> it's true, and I don't know why. Mm. Is it is it, have those been Marvel movies or has somebody else been? Oh my God, they famous were, were those Sony. Uh, I don't know, but remember they famously did, uh, what's his name? The guy that did Battle Beyond the Stars did a, uh, Roger Corman. Yeah, Roger Corman did a Fantastic Four movie, and, um, <laughs> it was, it was one of those, apparently, we're just doing this so, uh, we don't lose the movie rights, right. and it, it was never released, but you could get bootlegs for it, and, um, yeah. And then they, I am your. What? I was just to say I'm I'm your one stop shop for uh, for Battle Beyond the Stars lore and trivia. <laughs> and um, but then yeah, it was just uh, just disastrous movies after the disastrous movies. Just they're not good. There've been three. And, uh, other than the Corman one, like uh, the last one, I swear had. Captain, well, no, not the last one. Captain America was the Human Torch in one of them. You know what's his name? Right. Oh, yeah. And then uh, is that the one that had uh, had the commish? Uh, as the thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you mean <laughs> Frank? Uh, Frank Mackey from the Shield. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Side tangent because I'm a huge, huge fan of the Shield. Okay. You know how it's now all like all trendy to have like serious dramas with season long story arcs. Yep. The Shield mm-hmm. started that. So 
it's well worth seeking out and uh, checking out because it's fucking fantastic. And if you think mm-hmm. of him, think of him as like a comedic actor or whatever, he is a ruthless son of a bitch in it, man. And uh, it's just really, really good. So and yeah, it wraps up perfectly and love it. Anyway, so uh, one of them actually had Falcon. I want to say what's his name, Anthony Mackie, who I just saw in one of my girlfriend's favorite Christmas movies is the night before. And, um, I highly recommend that one. If you're looking for something different, uh, this holiday season. And, uh, yeah, let's see. Fantastic. Four. I actually, I think that dumb movie was the one that was just called four or something like that. Yeah. No, it was the, the it was the dumb one that had, it was fantastic. It was F A N T four S T I C, because yeah, and nope, it was Michael B. Jordan. Sorry, not Anthony Mackie. I uh, thought that wrong. And Jamie Bell was uh, Ben Grimm, and I don't recognize any of these other people. So, so there's a title from 1994, and then uh, 2005 with with uh, the Commish. Yep, and, and um, I think there was a sequel to that one. Yes, Rise of the yeah. Silver Surfer. Yeah, which I I love the Silver Surfer, and I didn't even see it. Um, and then um, twenty uh, fifteen, Fantastic Four with Miles Teller and Kate Mara. I'm not sure who that is. And then it looks like there's another movie coming out in 2025. And you, yeah, you watch. It's probably not even connected to the Marvel films. That we oh, know. and that is directed by Matt Shackman who is in tight with the It's Always Sunny guys. He's He was a director on several of their episodes. Hmm, okay. So maybe I can see Charlie Day as the Human Torch? Please? You know, that's that's not an outside <laughs> possibility. That would be kind of cool. I, look, when he fucking showed up in, um, what was it, uh, the big kaiju movie, uh, Pacific Rim, blew my mind. I mm-hmm. was like, wow, awesome. And love it. But, yeah. You know, the gang could do... What? Oh, no. Uh, super... this, 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 it's always Sunny Gang. They could do what? So you've got... Uh, um, do do their version of, of uh, Fantastic Four. you got Charlie Day <laughs> as the Human Torch. You've got uh, uh, Glenn Howerton as... Um, uh, What's his name, Mister Mister Fantastic? Yeah. yeah. D would and be got the, what the woman. Yep. Which leaves the thing for uh, for uh, Mac or or Danny. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> let let Devito play the thing, please. <laughs> anyway, uh, the last thing on here was uh, I watched eighteen. 18- I can write shit. I watched 1899 on Netflix. And again, Roy, you, you need to get Netflix because it's really good. I do. Um, I guess it, I do. If you liked, uh, it's done by the same people that did Dark. Um, that weird-ass time travel German three-season uh, three show. And oh, yep. it's just as fucking trippy. And uh, it's it's great. Mm-hmm. Really, really liked it. So Really? So this isn't the uh, Oregon Trail show? No, nor is it the Yellowstone prequel. 
All right. This is 1899. So. <laughs> All right. So we actually do some tabletop gaming here. So, Roy, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? So I've been playing... Most of my gaming lately has been on Board Game Arena. Um, so uh, one of the games I've been playing a lot of right now is called Teotihuacan City of Gods, which I've talked about before. Um, you're Basically, you're, you're building the city of, of Teotihuacan. So you... Um, control a crew of workers that you move around the board and collect uh, various building materials to either build uh, the pyramid or to build houses for the residents. Um, and so you, the, there's a, cocoa is the kind of the main currency that you use to pay your workers. And so uh, you can go onto a space and depending on how many dice are there and the dice are workers will determine either how much cocoa you collect or how much you have to pay to do that action. So you kind of tend to see, when you're playing the game, you see um, these clumps of, of workers move around the board kind of in a group because people are kind of gathering on one spot either to collect the cocoa, and then from there they'll kind of spread out. And so if you can if you can get a bunch of your workers onto one space, you do better and better actions. Um, so it's, it's kind of a fiddly game on the tabletop, which I have it, I have it in cardboard. Uh, it's, I, I think I've played it twice. Um, but I do enjoy it. So you're, you move up on the temple tracks and once you get to a certain level, you can take a discovery tile, which you may have to pay for. And that will be things like, I'm going to get a mask, which will give me, uh, scoring round points or I can get a, a tile that will let me take my worker and move it anywhere on the board because you, there's there's nine spaces on the board, but you can only move up to three. Um, so anyway, that's uh, Teotihuacan, City of Gods. And this is a game that I demoed uh, in a prototype form uh, the first time I went to uh, Dice Tower Con, which would have been, man, a long time ago. Oh, yeah. We need, um, to, we need to do that again. Yeah, uh, and then uh, I've been playing D and D still. We have had a session last week, which was our first one back for a while. Um, we've uh, uh, the the DM has decided to kind of dig into one of the players' backstories. Um, so this is a group of, of brand new players, and um, there's one character in particular that is playing a drow, what's amounting to be an assassin. Um, and um, she's kind of going the murder hobo route, and so the DM is kind of trying to kind of steer her away from that a little bit uh -huh. um, by kind of digging into her backstory a little bit. And so we're starting to learn that maybe she's not wholly evil, but is, um, you know, maybe looking for acceptance and redemption. So um, that'll be interesting. With these these brand new players it's uh it's it's kind of fun you know of course new players tend to get a little a little stabby with the game when they first come into it um well it's one of the things that's the easiest to grasp yeah when you come into that game right well and it's kind of geared towards it too um yeah so anyway we're uh have a session coming up 
on Wednesday of this week. Um, and um, uh, we may end up sailing somewhere. I'm not sure. Because we have a ship now. And we have one of our characters has a, has a pirate background. Um, so he'll be able to captain the ship and, and sail us around. And what do you play? Uh, I am playing a cleric who I've kind of tried to make the face character. Uh, okay. And um, kind of his, his, his ultimate designs, he kind of wants to develop a, uh, a movement, a cult of a sort, kind of centered around him. So I'm, I'm, I kind of want to go the, uh, the Jim Baker route and try to develop that sort of a, <laughs> of a, of a following with him. Um, yeah, so that's uh, uh, D&D. We're third level now. Um, and uh, the sky's the limit. <laughs> okay, now I have uh, that song stuck in my head. Uh, is it Come Sail Away by Styx? Uh, is it Come Sail Away? Yeah. It, yeah, it's Styx. Yeah. yeah. The I... no, it's, isn't, it, isn't it Cartman from... Uh, yes, uh, yes. That's it. <laughs> that's, a little, that's, a, that's an old callback, big time. I love that that song is about alien abductions. <laughs> hmm. Uh, so then I've been playing on Board Game Arena. I've been playing Terra Mystica. I think I'm involved in, I guess it's just one game of that right now. Uh, I just about concluded. So when I joined this game, I realized that all the players were like Korea, Japan. Uh, I think the closest one to me is Spain. But with them being in Korea... You know, the the time lag kind of makes the game drag a little bit. Oh, um, oh, the other actual human being players, not yes, not the roles that they're playing. Okay. No, no, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think, ideally, I would want to kind of limit myself to people from uh, the Americas and Europe. Just lag is not so, so stark. Again, yes, but I don't know. I'm having fun. Um, and then um, I'm also playing on on Board Game Arena a game called The Isle of Cats, um, which the, uh, I'm playing it with some some terrestrial friends. And this one guy, he's like he wins all the time. Well, I've I've won handily twice. Um, so we're go having a third go around at this game. And so it plays over five rounds, and you are uh, you have a sailing ship, and you uh, th there's a card drafting round. So you draft a bunch of cards into your hand, and then you have to pay for those cards if you want to actually buy them. So you can draft cards and then discard them just to keep them out of somebody else's hand. Um, but so you draft cards, which will say, uh, give me a basket. While the baskets, to, to attract a, a cat onto your ship, you need fish and a basket. Um, and so the, uh, the, the cats are represented by little pentomino tiles, and you have to basically have to fill, fill up your ship sort of Tetris style. Uh, and mm. then along the way, there are lessons that you can uh, collect that will give you some uh, points and things there. Um, so I enjoy the Isle of Cats. Uh, there's, there's kind of a, there's a Tetris aspect. There's a card drafting aspect to it. 
uh, hand management, um, and you know, it, it looks nice. I want to believe that's, that's the Isle of Cats. I want to believe that that's the uh, sequel to the Isle of Dogs. <laughs> but, I don't know. Is that a thing? It's a movie. movie. It's, oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of those. Well, no, no, no. Right. It's it's that stop motion like uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Right, right. Maybe even done by the same Mr. Fox. I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, and then finally, on the my tabletop, I played a game of Zombicide, which I have played before, um, and it's a cooperative. You know, kill all the zombies. Um, so the the map was a like a city block with a crossroads, and there were four cars in there, and you could hop into a car and uh, run over zombies. And the idea is that you have to go and go into the buildings and get the MacGuffins out of the different spots on the map, and then exit the map. Um, so we were doing good, and then. And then it just all went downhill just in the space of like there was one player out and then it came around to me and then I got knocked out and then it was, yeah, I think there was only about two more rounds before uh, we got overrun and we all died and joined the horde. So anyway, Zombicide, which is a <laughs> cool mini or not game. Are we even allowed to talk about them on the show? I don't know. I can, I, well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I have no idea. With uh, yeah, uh, I guess as long as they're not on Kickstarter, which I think uh, uh, Zom- uh, Zombie Side was. I actually picked up on sale their sci-fi version of it. I can't think of that. I think it's like called Zombie Side something, and uh, I haven't played it. So anyway, uh, just, I was just making a poor joke. So. Um, I got in my Goodman Games Black Friday haul. And I was unprepared for the weight of the thing that uh, the the shipping box that came in. I was like, "My God, this is heavy!" But they only shipped me half the stuff I ordered. Why is this so heavy? So I opened it up. Like one of the first things I did when they did the uh, the forty percent off sale, I busted my ass to get over there and get the Weird Frontiers uh, RPG. It's their DCC version of the Weird West. Okay. It, it was a Kickstarter, and of course, I didn't back it, and I was mad about it. And so I got a copy. Y'all, I, I'm not prepared for the size of this book. I really legit like want to do just a video <laughs> on this book. Have any of y'all seen this book in person? No. In, no. Okay, okay. Let me Let me flip over. The last numbered page, there are a couple after it, the last numbered page is 896. I'm going to bang it here against the desk. <laughs> this is a phone book. You know, it's insane. Like, I don't know what MS... Okay, MSRP on this is $75. And, man, oh it's, it's got to be worth every penny with just the amount of content you get in here. And, uh, like, I know, like... Uh, I had a friend that saw my Dungeon Crawl Classics rule book, and he was like, oh my god, is it that complicated? I'm like, no, it just has stuff that you might want. There's just different tables if you happen to do this, or there's different classes. You know, I, I, I'm very intimidated by my copy of DCC. 
it, you know, it's it's really really nice. It's I mean, it's a real easy, real simple thing to play. But yeah, man, this thing is just. I mean, I had to go get it to just bring it out here and talk about it. And um, I want to play it, you know, because uh, I'm I'm glad it's a weird West uh, type thing that also includes like Mississippi and Florida. So. You know, that's it's it's a weird. It's technically not weird west. It's weird frontiers. So, uh, sure. what is that other really big weird west RPG? Uh, Deadlands. Deadlands. Yeah, that's basically over there in the southwest. And uh, yeah, the other thing. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, I wanted to to ask some questions about Dungeon Crawl Classics and. Um, and OSR type games kind of in general um, because so as somebody explained it to me at one point the, um, the kind of the our contemporary games you know fifth edition or whatever there's not a whole lot of room for creativity when it comes to um, accomplishing a task so rather than I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go up to the statue and I'm going to like look in the palms for any kind of a button or, uh, you know, I'm going to stick my finger up the nose or that that's kind of how Dungeon Crawl Classics and OSR in general is geared. Whereas in fifth edition, I make a roll and add my modifier and that determines my success. So the OSR being a more narrative sort of play does that sound valid yeah uh it comes down to it's almost like okay i want to do this and the the judge responds well tell me how you want to do that you know tell me exactly what you want to do and if it's like and i really like you know coming up with unique ways to make the guy go ha holy shit yeah i didn't think about that that might (laughs) that might work Roll this, you know, and so it, it comes down to, you know, kind of, and of course, this could be completely wrong. This is just me. They should have sent a poet, Roy, but you got me. <laughs> so um, it comes down to like just a check with, and it's, he determines like what you roll on it. As I understand it, they're based on, you know, it's the old school d and I'm not sure if it is red or blue book or uh, bx or whatever i mean they they all kind of bleed into each other in my opinion but that's just my own ignorance right some of the some of the osr games are based explicitly on the little brown books or specifically on the bx version of the basic sets and others on Bethany, and some of them are based on first edition ad and d and others are more of a, a hodgepodge of um, going for a feel and not so much trying to uh, retro clone these um, often obscure texts into something that's legible in you know 2014 or 2022 or whenever these particular versions of the game were written. Um, and yeah, the uh, that's a that's a that's a legitimate distinction. Um, to be made where you describe the character's action and then the ref uh, calls for a role or maybe not. You know, Maybe they say, well, well yeah, that's just going to work. That sounds great. 
And so in the course of my turn, I like to narrate my turn and then make an attack roll or whatever. Right. Um, but I always feel like as I'm narrating this, that everybody around me is saying, why don't you just shut the hell up and roll the die? So, uh, well, I noticed that play style that you have uh, when we are at the table together, and I like it. Okay. Uh, so I hope I never threw that vibe off. No, 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 no. At, at, at our tables. Um, but yeah, the, the the modern games, because so much of what characters can do is mechanized. Uh, playing the game can very easily become on my character sheet I've got this and it says I roll a that and on this number it succeeds so I'm just going to do that and tell mm -hmm. the GM, tell the dungeon master what I rolled um, yep. and, it, and it moves a lot of the um, worldliness of the experience into the player's hands and away from the character's actions. Uh, yeah. Well, and you know, when I listen to like actual play uh, podcasts, yeah, I, I, to me, well, I mean, it's they have to be entertaining. So that's part of what they do is they narrate their, they narrate their turns and they try to make them creative and, and so it really, if if that's the kind of what defines OSR. I think that's how a lot of those those uh, actual play podcasts are done, kind of in that spirit. I guess. Um, yeah, I guess so. I I am not familiar with any actual play uh, shows at all. Not even Critical oh, okay. Role, to be honest. Um, yeah. Uh, see, I'm yeah. not at all familiar with Critical Role, but anyway, continue. The, it's the huge. 5e. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm aware of it, but I haven't show. seen yeah. it. Yeah. I, w I will say the cartoon was fucking fantastic. That's about that's <laughs> my, my only experience with it. So, but uh, yeah, I, it's oh, and a lot of what the oh, I'm sorry. No, uh, I, I, a lot of what the yeah. OSR is 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 uh, the ref is in charge. Ah, okay. And so look, that's, uh, that's that's weird frontiers. Is you what? Yeah, I'm, I'm it, steering us back onto the under the rails. Yeah, um, I also speaking of yeah, continuing with DCC, um, because it has such a unique name, and uh, once I heard like what all is in it, I thought, and it was also on sale. I picked up the Gong Farmers Almanac 2017. Uh, are you do you guys know what a Gong Farmer is? Isn't that somebody that cleans out latrines? Yes, specifically that they scoop the poop out of it so it can be used yeah. as fertilizer. So, okay. you know, that that's the thing with DCC is, I mean, it's not grimdark, but you just start off as a regular guy with a shitty job. I mean, th you know, it, it's basically like, you know, you were, you're working, you know. Oh, this boy. Yeah, yeah you're, yes, you're working the, like, you know, the, the uh, the back room at McDonald's, and you hear about you know a chance for some treasure, so you're like, "Fuck this, I'm just gonna go." And Take my spatula, because yes, that's the only thing I've got. Exactly, <laughs> and yeah. So I love how like tough it is on on characters. You know, you can't get attached to anybody. 
it's like when we're starting out with new people and you know we're running a funnel they're like we really play these four characters at the same time and we're like yeah if you're lucky one of them will live and uh, <laughs> it's like you're a russian infantryman yeah it's like don't don't name them you'll get attached to them just yes just this is guy one <laughs> guy two guy three guy four but um Anyway, this book is is really cool. It had some really unique like uh, tables and stuff like that. And I mean, I just bought it on a lark. And it has a dwarf sapper class in here, and uh, there is a sofa siren, um, which are ancient sofa sirens are ancient shapeshifters having common ancestry with similar creatures that surround themselves in treasure. Blah blah, blah i.e., you know, a mimic. Being a pragmatic creature, the Sofa Siren prefers to surround itself in comfort and leisure, far away from the axes and blades of armored adventures. So, a Sofa Siren will sometimes inhabit a brothel or house of ill repute. Uh, they have been known to inhabit abandoned cities and luring unsuspecting passerbys with their seductive aura. So, basically, it's a couch that lures you to sit on it and it eats you. So, I mean, I, I love this. And I love the fact that, like, you know... It's all these neat things in it, you know, that you can drop into your game or, you know, whatever. I I really love that DIY aesthetic of uh, OSR. I really, really do. And like I said, I've just been dragged along on this journey by my friends, and I've never played, like, 5th edition D&D. So OSR is, like, all I know. And it's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, have a lot of fun with it. And, uh, so- Yeah. Go ahead. Do you suppose a sofa siren has like a fart fetish? Ooh, could be. Like, maybe. <laughs> well, maybe that's the trigger uh, for it to eat you. I don't know. Oh, all right. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, the last thing I got in that thing uh, uh, that is worth noting is, um, you know, again, it's sometimes you drink and shop and you get weird things. I ordered a copy of the Judges Guild Deluxe Collector's Edition Volume 1 because it was like half off or less. <laughs> and it's this ginormous book, which is really attractive to me. And I don't mean like thick with uh, two C's like Weird Frontiers is. I mean, it is, it is, I swear to you, it's like two feet long and 18 inches wide or more. And uh, it's just really neat. It has... Uh, some articles and stuff in it uh reprints the judges guild fantasy catalog uh the newsprint journals the it's got the original hand-drawn map for teagle manor which is something i want to run in the future and uh i think i have that for yeah i have it for uh frog god games does it so that's not castles and crusades that's um uh i uh, shit uh swords of wizardry i mean you could get it for fifth edition but like i said i I have no idea what fifth edition, you know, I play it, but anyway. So I got this big ass thing and it looked cool and so yeah, there you go. So uh, this is material from like the mid seventies. Yes. Right? Yep. Just neat. I I like it. I like all, all the stuff that's in there. I, I, the maps in it are just gorgeous and yeah, so big ass coffee table book, I said essentially what it is. And so the last thing I've got, um <laughs> I've said it many times on here. I do not understand how games just get started. It's it's literally like a spark, you know, and then all of a sudden it becomes a roaring flame. 
sometimes it's one, I understand sometimes it's one person, you know, working really hard, doing demos, having game days and all that stuff. But on the other hand, like what happened to me in the past couple of weeks, sometimes somebody makes an offhand remark in a group text and now there's like 10 of us playing Battlefleet Gothic. Uh, which it was a great game when it came out uh, in 1999. It, it's been discontinued since 2014. And uh, yeah, it's apparently it's been turned over to the fans and there's a lot of 3D printed uh, uh, shit you can get for it to play it, uh, which you can get from Mike at Ultra Dementia, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't believe it. Out of all the things in the world to suddenly go, it just, some guy started talking about it, uh, reminiscing, and then it was like, oh, wait, I still have my stuff. Really? Me too. And then younger kids come in, they're like, oh, wow, I've always wanted to play that. Can we play that this Saturday? And it just blew up ever since there. Just poof. There you go. What's the premise? It's it's just, it's Games Workshop's uh, 2D fleet game. Wasn't uh, Armada based off of Battlefleet Gothic? No. Play- Star-, Star Wars Armada? No, it plays differently. Um, okay. in, in goth in gothic, it's a D six game, and it does have proprietary dice, but they're reactions. Like you can brace for impact and stuff like that. So you just have to put down the dice. One fascinating mechanic that I thought it, you're dead if you get like X amount of these little damage cloud markers on you, but you can drive away from them, and then you're just not damaged anymore. So, of course, if you're able to drive, if you still have engines and stuff. But, yeah, I, I thought that was fascinating to me. But And there are, uh, there's a video game series. I think there's a uh, Battlefleet Gothic Armada and then a sequel Armada uh, Part 2, which was, that one came out in 2019. So, I have no idea if they're any good. I think they're one of those things that I own it on Steam, but uh, have never played. Alright. Shannon, what have you played? I've played reading my Dungeon World book. Ooh, that's uh, I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> the um the the host of the Mastodon instance I use, uh, I guess is one of the authors for Dungeon World, and so um rather than stretching my budget by signing up for a subscription to pay this guy a lot. Um, I bought Dungeon World once. And then I thought, well, geez, I bought this. I'd better read it. And it's the first Powered by the Apocalypse game that uh, that I've ever actually read all the way through. I've got a couple of others floating around, and I, I skimmed through one of them uh, earlier this year. And um, and it's a, it's a whole puzzle to me. Um, on the one hand, it's very clearly an early edition of Dungeons and Dragons adapted into uh, a different way of handling resolution mechanics. And on the other hand, I don't really understand the resolution mechanics distinction. Um, it's, uh, it's something I'm probably going to have to just decide is how it is rather than try to bridge the, bridge the distance between what I understand and what this is trying to do. 
so is it just a d6 based d20 based or oh yeah yep uh so it's a uh, so the resolutions is a is a d6 based um uh, apocalypse world was uh the first of this class of game and the people who wrote that call it a design philosophy rather than a mechanical system um, but uh, everybody's latched onto the mechanical parts of it and uh, so it's a it's a 2d6 roll uh, 2d6 plus a modifier and on a nine or plus it's a success a six or six to eight is a, a qualified success and a less than six is a, a some sort of failure state and the game is very much geared in that sort of OSR style to uh, asking, you know, here's the scenario, what do you do? And then listening to the response that the player gives for the character's action. And then if the character does certain things, then that triggers a role uh, for success or not. Um, so one of the moves, these are called moves that uh, happen, um, is hack and slash. And so if you have a character who has a move called hack and slash, then if you say something that sounds like it would trigger that, um, then you roll to find out if it worked. And if it worked, then you, between you and the, the ref, uh, narrate what that outcome looks like narratively. And so the thrust of the Powered by the Apocalypse design philosophy is always pushing into the narrative and into the fiction. And so the ref is always only supposed to refer to the characters by name, and the characters are always supposed to be doing things in character, not necessarily performatively, but with this idea that uh, you want to break the narrative and break the fiction um, as infrequently as possible. Um, and uh, on the one hand, it seems really straightforward. And on the other hand, it seems really, really weird. Um, and, and what I mean by that is uh, because each character class in Dungeon World has a set of moves, um, then it's not clear to me how you succeed at things that aren't one of those moves um and so i've got to take another pass at this it's a it's a thick book because it's based on dungeons and dragons and it's got a bunch of classes and it's got a bunch of spells and it's got a bunch of monsters in it so you, it winds up being this this thick intimidating book that sits there and says hey i'm a game oh it's one of those where it's like well we're gonna roll in it's the player's guide the dm guide and the monster's manual all in one yeah that's correct yeah okay. it's a complete game um, and and it's a game that's really 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 geared toward the ref, uh, the the game document, the book is really geared towards the ref. Um, like the opening part with the uh, character classes, sure if you're a player you might want to read that, um, but a lot of the text is very much. And you're the ref, and you set things up, and you hand out things <coughs> to your players to to let them uh, be immersed in the behavior of the game and you keep the rules away from them as much as you possibly can. Hmm. Um, so I think the players are encouraged to roll the dice, but only when the ref makes the call to say, 
roll, uh, give me a roll. Um, and in fact, you're not even supposed to say the names of the moves. Um, it's just, oh, the ref is aware that you said something that triggers a move, and so then you call for a roll. Uh, okay, what, what what do you mean, yeah. like, the names of the moves? So uh, the one that I can always ever think of is the hack and slash move. And so on a successful roll, you do some damage. On a slightly less successful roll, maybe you do some damage, but maybe you get uh, like um, some bounce back from the sword, uh, and you take some damage. And if, uh, if the roll fails, then you know something awful happens or just fails. Or it depends on what's narratively appropriate for what a failure would look like. But what's happened is your your ref has said, okay, you're now in this room, and in this room is um, a six-foot-tall creature, and it's got wings and pointy ears, and it's hunched over a table with its back to you. What do you do? And if somebody who has a hack-and-slash move says, I run up with my sword and I attack it, then that triggers the hack-and-slash move. And the ref would then say, all right, give me a roll. And uh, the ref would take into account the things like, ooh, the back is turned, or ooh, the creature has uh, armor on that the player didn't notice because they moved too fast, or the character didn't notice. Um, and so each character class, like the magic using character classes, have a couple of different ways to cast spells. And uh, and so there's a, a set of moves, and as you level up, you, your character unlocks additional moves that they can do or they can trade in moves for better versions of a move. So a move is like a thing that a character class does in Dungeon World. Um, and the moves convention has been adopted into the larger Powered by the Apocalypse design movement, but this is the only game I've read, so I'm not sure how it plays out in other games. All right, that actually sounds interesting, uh, you know, with the fact that you can change you know exchange moves for others yeah 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 it's it it does seem like a really interesting game and it's been around for years and years at this point um and there are people out there who are playing it um but it is it is something that i'm having trouble wrapping my brain around hmm. okay well uh oh yes as i teased earlier our sponsor Mike over at Alter Dementia is there. It's alter3dementia.com. It's a whole thing. It's hard for me to spell. Just see it in the show notes. Use that discount code COG2019 to save 20% off your order. And uh, yeah, have him print you some uh, Battlefleet Gothic ships. I know you can get the STLs off of Thingverse and a bunch of other places. So there you go. Oh, you know what? There is a new store. I'm just reading this here. Um. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a. I just realized that there's a new store that uh, is here in the town where I'm at, which is where Mike is also. A new FLGS. So, <clears throat> yes, it is. Hideaway Gaming. I need to check this out. I'm a little late to the picking it up, I guess, because <laughs> it uh, this post is from March 31st of this year. So, all right. Well, they'd be glad to see you at Christmas time. Yeah, I gotta find Super Hideaway Gaming. 
Okay. Hmm. <laughs> so on Maybe to the problem. <clears throat> I was going to say on to uh, what's on our radar. Uh, this is one of the things I found by clicking on an ad. You know, it happens sometimes. Uh, this company called RPG, RPG, RPG.com does a random RPG month, random RPG book club subscription. You can get one, which, which for fifteen ninety nine, you can get one per month, one per week, or one every two weeks. I mean, wow. I'm kind of interested, but it's just too, you know, it's, it's see, I, okay, my, where I'm at with like old RPG stuff, like uh, to just try it out or just like, hey, that looks interesting. Maybe I'll do it. Uh, $5 is where I'm at, like per, per book, like, you know, fifteen ninety nine for, you know, two books. I mean, it's essentially, well, I guess that's 16 bucks. It's $8. If that, oh yes, shipping's included, so eh, I guess that's about right. I'm kind of curious to to see, like, what you get. You know, the picture, you see all kinds of cool stuff there, but I'm willing to bet you're not going to get a fiend folio or anything like that, you see. (laughs) (laughs) No. Beauties and demigods. What I think you would end up being, uh, you would end up finding out just how many shitty RPGs there are that you've never heard of and um, how much stuff they put out. So, uh, yeah, I was just going to drop that in there. Um, all right. So I found another um, discount store, not like um, our awesome guy that passed in Florida, who sadly, I can't think of his name right now. What was it? Um, damn it. Hit the best prices. Um, that guy that, oh, okay. yeah, that Richard and I always talked about, like having like really good prices on board games. They were just oh, yeah. ridiculously cheap. Anyway, this is kickassmailorder.com, and they have, well, they have a bunch of different stuff. And they ship out of the U.S. They carry um, Drop Fleet Commander for one, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, there's another game on here that I actually put on my Christmas list because I'm. <laughs> very interested to play it it's called rumble slam the fantasy wrestling game and uh (laughs) as far as i can tell this is basically wrestling blood bowl so there you go um it looks like it you know hopefully i'll get it and try it out and stuff and uh yeah it's got factions it's got of course you know you're playing on a much smaller area so i don't know interested to see i really really hope like in built into the rules is you were required to cut promos on uh, your opponents you know that's where they you know (laughs) go out there and they talk shit um so that would be super cool but maybe not i don't know uh the next the next thing we had was i could not believe it um I'm very just as shocked as you are that Fossa brought back Interceptor. You guys familiar with this game from way back in the day? Renegade uh, Legion Interceptor. No. Um, this is of course this is not Renegade Legion because there's some IP issues with that, so we can't say Renegade Legion. We just say Interceptor, and we roll this over <laughs> into their Aether Stream um, game. Uh, 
Aetherstream IP, which I think includes like uh, 1879, their steampunk thing, Novo Armada, and some other ones. So this is a two. This kind of looks like Space Mech Warrior. Yeah, it's well, it's uh, you, yeah, you'd be surprised um, because the BattleTech had Aerotech, which was borrowed. Oh, yeah. uh, one yeah. of those borrowed pretty heavily from the others, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, although for Interceptor, Renegade Legion, it famously had some incredibly complex hit tables. Like, where you would hit and all this stuff. I don't know. But this is basically a 2D fighter game. So, there you go. The next thing I had was the Kickstarters ended, but I actually saw where you can actually buy these from it and see. I was just curious if anybody had heard of World Breaker. Or the Dark Tides of Zadaros. I like yeah, no. no. It's uh, old school. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's, it's an OSR thing, and it it to me it look it looks like it's it's leaning closer to mutant crawl classics versus dungeon crawl classics, as in you know science fantasy. So um, mm-hmm. I, you've you've got my attention with that so and it actually is, is a project out of st louis missouri so i don't know this could be some guy that hangs out with richard every day and just, <laughs> just doesn't talk about it because he doesn't want to be a dick and be like i've got a cool rpg man it's like really i like rpgs but <laughs> i don't know uh the last what's on a radar thing is free league publishing is doing a walking dead universe role-playing game you know, I'm honestly surprised this doesn't already exist. Because yeah, that's a good point. I hmm. there's probably 27 <clears throat> different not Walking Dead role playing games out there, zombie apocalypse ones. But yeah, this is the official one. So, uh, I imagine it's going to be a pretty big seller, and uh, it's going to hit sometime in the spring of 2023. The TV series finally ended, and it went. God, Lord! I mean, I never watched past the first season. I mean, not. That I think I, I saw up to into maybe season three. I mean, I remember people just being like, "Oh my God, it's it's like you know five thirty. We got to get home. You know, the new Walking Dead. You know, <laughs> oh, see okay. seeing all that. I remember when it used to be that crazy, and mm-hmm. then I stopped hearing about it." And then apparently it went on for like six seasons after that with like two or three expansion. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Not expansions. It's uh, spinoffs. Yes. Including uh, one coming up with Norman Reedus because he's always been the most popular character they have. So Okay. Well, and, and Rick died. Rick the cop who was kind of the main focus of the, of the first season. Well, and subsequent seasons too. Did they kill him off in it? Yeah, I'm, I'm he okay. died somehow. I don't know if the actor said I'm done with this or what the deal was. Mm-hmm. I know, like that. He's, he's been gone for quite a while, I think. I know the deaths on there were always controversial. Like you'd always have the people what? like uh, the deaths oh. on there being very controversial, no matter who it was. You'd always have like angry water cooler uh, talk talk on like Mondays and shit. So I don't know. Glenn, the Asian guy. Yep. The the Asian Asian American community was real upset when he died because he was uh, 
not necessarily the role model, but he was he was a protagonist that was you know good at what he did, and he happened to be Asian, so it was kind of a uh, uh, a rallying point for some people in that community. Yeah, he was just a good you know good character. You know, he was a not you know he was moral and etc. And you know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, is there? Was there ever a um, uh, a port uh, or a, a, an inclusion for Twilight Two Thousand to have zombies in it? I don't know. They because that seems like it'd be a a good rule set or good setting at least to to throw zombies into. I mean, that does seem like a no brainer. You know, like it would mm-hmm. be, yeah, uh, that that would happen. But I don't know. Twilight no. Weird Thousand. Yeah. Weird, weird thousand. Yeah. What is that one? What is that? I don't know. I just made it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, oh. r- write that out. <laughs> write that out. Yeah. Yep. Copyright. Yeah. Uh let's see. Uh, on to news. Uh, it's been a big thing in the tabletop industry with uh, Noble Knight Games. Uh, their workers have been attempting to unionize and. Uh, I think originally the company said no. According to this article that I found here from two days ago, it'll hold an official election to ratify the Nascent Union. Um, it heads to a vote. Let's see, let's see. Noble Knight Games workers head to a vote after tabletop retailer denies voluntary union rec- uh, recognition. So, uh, what do you guys think of Noble Knight? Have you have you bought anything from them? Are you familiar with them at all? Yeah, I bought some stuff from them, and it's really it's. I mean, they're a retailer, so I mean, how many employees do they actually have? Well, apparently they're a lot. It's supposed to be like if you go, like going to the the store is kind of like a geek pilgrimage type of thing, because it's supposed to okay. be like this is enormous store that has like all this cool stuff in it, and I don't know. So I would figure they have well, a, like. Over really? uh, like cool stuff in Orlando is a big retailer. Yeah, and and you know Miniature Market is a big retailer in St. Louis there. Yep, and so I mean it is kind of a pilgrimage, but I mean how many employees does Miniature Market have? I don't think it's very many. Maybe less less than a dozen. I'm not sure. Is does noble. Night. Live uh, Googling. Googling. Yeah. Damn. Uh, according to just a, I don't know, LinkedIn says 51 to 200. Zoom Info says uh, less than 25. Uh, oh. So, Data Zine, uh, no, no, datazine.com says 12. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Your guess is Let's as see. good as mine. Noble Knight Games United, the uh, the workers group, uh, on December 1st, tweeted out, Noble Knight Games has done what 95% of privately owned companies fail to do. They have voluntarily recognized their workers' union. So that was a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. That, uh, they got voluntarily recognized. Um, but I don't see a number of employees on this thread. Um, all right 
I don't know. They got more. But, you know, you only need, what, 15, 20? Two? I don't know. Is there, like, a rule? I don't know. So, Noble Knight has unionized. Is this going to be, are we going to see a trend here? Is, like, uh, you know, the miniature market employees going to form their own union or a chapter of this union? Oh, well, okay. Oh, yeah. the, the first the first problem there is location. That was in Wisconsin. If you tried that shit down mm-hmm. here in Mississippi, it wouldn't fly because we have laws to actively stop unions, you know, down here. Because reasons, you know. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to depend what Missouri's laws would be. Maybe they don't have enough. Oh, yeah. Maybe okay. maybe they're all like uh, just part time kids or something. They don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple and to to Roy's question. A couple of months ago, uh, ISO staff unionized. Oh yeah, I do kind of remember that. Um, and uh, of course, but they're Starbucks. more of a publisher in their own right. So true. True. Um. They're sort of on the retail front. There's Starbucks. Um, oh yeah. So it's yeah. a it's a it's a moment where unionization is um, proceeding. It's, it's a new era of, of yeah. unionization. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, well, we'll see. See how it goes. We'll send some people down to your state. Yeah. Uh, the next thing we had is Shatterpoint is coming out from, uh, what you call it, Atomic Mass Games, and it is basically mm-hmm. Marvel Crisis Protocol reskinned for Star Wars. Yeah. Which I can't, first of all, I, I know this is a kind of an older announcement, but I cannot tell you how many people with, um, what do you call it, um, Star Wars Armada and X-Wing and even Legion shit their pants over this announcement because they thought they're getting rid of all these other games and they're just going to do this new game. So, I don't think that's going to happen, but regardless, here it is. I don't really care about this because it's set during the Clone Wars, but, yeah. I don't know. Would you guys, would you care at all? like the clones? Eh, I mean, it's just, I don't I don't know who all these people are, like Glup Shitto and the rest of them. I, I don't know who they are. <laughs> you know, it's if, if if they're not, you know, in kind of kind of what's currently, you know, at least like the Mandalorian. You know, I can, I know who these people are, or you know, the original trilogy or whatever. But even the prequels. But yes, all this, all these cartoons and shit that happened that I didn't watch. I don't know who they are, and they need to get off my lawn. So that's that's where I'm at with that. So uh, the next thing we had was Troll Lord Games and Frog God Games are teaming up. So that's Castles and Crusades and uh, what you call it, uh, Swords and Wizardry. And yeah, so they they are teaming up to uh, announce that they uh, to <coughs> officially support Castles and Crusade via. Frog God Games, which I, both of these, I, are companies that when they have big sales, I buy a lot of stuff from them. And, um, oh, yeah, also, Frog God does 5th edition, and they do uh, Pathfinder as well. 
So okay. So it's just more stuff. Uh, it does remind me. I don't think I've gotten my last order from Frog God because I got a copy of Bunnies and Burrows because I've always wanted to play that. Oh really? Yeah. You know, ba- basically you're doing uh, Worship Down. So um, I'm curious. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, <clears throat> have you ever, guys ever played it at all? No, it's always been on my. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, something to do is like a one shot or whatever. You know, might be fun. Uh, the next thing we had, uh, there is a Mothership Companion app. And man, this whole thing made me just anxious to play the game. I've got the um, box set coming, and uh, if and when it ever ships. And yes, I really want to do this. Somehow I wound up with two rule books for that Mothership. Yeah, they're little zine-sized from Tuesday Night Games. Yep, player survival guide. Are they? Maybe they're. Maybe it's just one. They just happen to come in two books. Nope, I've got two player so survival this guides. Of, uh, oh. This is kind of uh, uh, aliens, the role-playing game in a way, or it, alien. Well, it's it's sci-fi OSR, basically. Okay, is gotcha. is is right. basically what it is. You know. So broader than just Xenomorphs coming to get you. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, look, all that stuff is there. All there are androids, there are aliens, there are shifty corporations. You know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's. I mean, they have their own thing, which, as I understand, is like really good, and it has like a really good uh, mechanic for. Uh, not sanity, um, or is it sanity? It's panic, panic. I'm sorry. Uh, if you guys have ever okay. uh, played that one, the the uh, aliens one from uh, Free League. There, there is a sanction. I guess, yeah, I kind of remember that. That there is an actual, yeah, um, an official one. Okay. Yeah. So, as a minor aside, have you guys ever seen the movie Outland? Yep. With uh, Sean Connery. Yes, I have. An excellent film. It supposedly is... God, what is it? Is it uh, in the Alien universe? No, no, no. Because it doesn't have okay. really anything to do with aliens. It's it's supposed to be a sci-fi version of High Noon, I think. Oh, okay. Of, yeah. uh, of that was the, um, the Western movie they were trying to copy. But okay. uh, yeah, that's why you see the clocks. That clock always counting down in the background. So ah, okay. So I just this mothership reminded me of of that film and Panic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really good though. I really really dig that. Um, another odd one from around that same time was Saturn Five. I think it has um. Golly, Kirk Douglas in it is how old oh it is. Oh. Yeah, that's like how okay. that's how old it is. And it also has uh <laughs> damn it, who's the guy? He's really young in it. Uh the guy from Bad Lieutenant, Harvey Keitel. And that's Saturn Five. Um it's really interesting and it's very it's it's it has that same aesthetic as high new uh, as um that movie that Roy mentioned earlier. Oh, oh land. Outland, yes. Yes, as I'm struggling through this cold and trying to talk and this whole thing. So, Saturn 3. 
three, not five. Okay. With with uh, Farrah Fawcett. Yes, yes, that's Good it. Good board. From 1980. Wow, I would have guessed the 70s. Um, I, okay. The next thing we've got is Twilight Imperium is coming to comics through Cool Mini or not, which uh, so is apparently several other their IPs. I see Android. I um, and, yes, Android. What are all the little figures sign? there for? I guess they're just I don't know. Uh, for a, I it's a good question. Yeah, I'd watch that or read that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I knew there was. Um, there's been some novels, some Twilight Imperium novels that mm-hmm. have came out, and I picked up the first one of those, which are supposed to just detail like really detail like the uh, the backstory of the different races and stuff in there. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've never played this game. Seen it played a lot. I actually saw a Reddit post uh, yesterday that talked about uh, the question was, what's the quickest you've ever uh, done a Twilight Imperium game? And somebody <laughs> somebody responded three and a half hours. And wow. it, it was okay. it was only that way because of some special thing that just happened to happen. But okay. most people, seven to nine hours is usually what they play. I think I've played it twice. And both times at a con. So it's no one time. One time at my house. It is <laughs> your house is like a con. Yeah, well, it could be. Isn't it basically uh, a four X game? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. All right. So uh, next we had uh, John Prados, Ph.D., died. He is a game designer and author of several books on military history. I, <clears throat> he's, fam- I knew him from doing the Third Reich, and there's one more on here that he did. It's always interesting. Like, I'm sorry, Rise of Decline of the Third Reich in '74, and and he also he. Uh, was involved in uh, Tide of Iron, and he also did uh, one that's been on my list forever, Vicksburg, War, uh, The War for the West, for obvious reasons. And, um, yeah, it's it's always interesting to me when these guys go, um, just to see all the uh, different games they made. And, like, some of them are like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. and But a lot of them are like, I've never heard of that one. And then to come to find out it was just released in Germany or uh, Japan or it was a magazine game. So just interesting to say. And knowing one or two older designers to see them like talk about the guys is, I don't know, just kind of cool. So the next thing we had was Modifius is losing the Conan license. So I think we can expect this to happen like forever. Uh, there are several OSR companies that do the Hyborian Age because some of that some of that terminology is in public domain, so they make stuff. Uh, I think Hyperborea itself was just came out with a third edition. It was a Kickstarter, but uh, Modifius apparently had the license, and now they're going over to. Damn it. 
remake? Monolith. Monolith, yeah. yeah they're going to bring back the Conan board game, which I kind of wanted to play. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know. I bought several of these uh, just because I like the time period and the different types of Conan you could play. <laughs> yeah, there's like Conan the Barbarian. That was like one rule book. Conan the Thief. That was another. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. a that was another rule book. And there was one or two more that were just different uh, aspects of the Conan character. They. Who owns Conan if it's being licensed around to different companies? Uh, I'm assuming the Robert E. Howard uh, family or whoever had the rights to it is still. That stuff has got to be headed to public domain. I would I would think, but um, famously, January first is called Public Domain Day every year and it's been very quiet for the last 10 or 15 years because the law changed um, but um, Metropolis is heading back into the public domain that movie from 1921 so Fritz, Fritz Lieber yep yeah so yeah I've got a few years yet probably before uh, Tigger <laughs> Tigger is going into public domain this year um, so you can do your Tigger RPG if you want <laughs> uh, looks like looks like uh, Conan goes slides into with, public domain in 2028. You can do your Winnie the Pooh cosplay with uh, President Xi Jinping. Oh, I like what I like what South Park did with him, where they had Randy assassinate him. Yeah, that was really good. <clears throat> now, uh, I will also say uh, Mickey Mouse is overdue to go into public domain. But uh, the company that owns him has a whole lot of money, and so they keep that from happening. It should have mm-hmm. it should have gone into public domain like twenty years ago, but here we are. Here we are, and and public domain is good for copyright, but trademark is a separate issue. Yeah, so watch it. And also, like you know, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is now in public domain. However. Disney's Winnie the Pooh, that specific one with the red shirt, no pants, is not in public domain. So right. it's just kind of hard. But yeah, didn't somebody do a <laughs> Winnie the Pooh RPG recently? And it was like Grim. Oh, there's that movie. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that movie. Oh, yeah. it's a horror movie, right? Yeah, the horror movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did a I did a Winnie the Pooh Christmas Carol mashup a couple of years ago. Uh, that worked out pretty pretty nicely uh, when I finally got to the end and figured out how I was going to get out of that problem. Huh. As a, uh, what, as an RPG? No, as a, as a, a novella, I guess. I basically, oh, okay. uh-huh. basically took the uh, Dickens' A Christmas Carol book and swapped in Winnie the Pooh characters oh. with Pooh as Scrooge. <laughs> oh bother <laughs> nice uh, so that was pretty, All that's right. what I've got to say about that so uh, the last thing we have here before I completely lose my voice is Gloomhaven it's coming out as an RPG because of course it is why yeah, not you knew it had to happen Yep. yep. it's yeah not, not surprised at all uh, so, <laughs> I was going to say the actual info 
but oh, I, yeah? I lost my tab. There it is. Oh. Wait, found it. Um, <laughs> it is being, uh, let's see, it's, so oh God, how do you say that? Exponentially? No, 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 Cephalofair game. Oh, Cephalofair. Cephalofair yeah. games. Yeah. Uh, they do Frosthaven as well. Hey, wait, wasn't there supposed to be a Frosthaven board game? Yes. What? It's, uh, it's, it's being fulfilled and, and it might have hit retailers too. Yeah. Okay. Just reminded of that. Uh, so this is coming. It's going to be. Uh, I love the state. The statement, unlike other RPG systems, reliant on dice and set character build structures, Gloomhaven will continue to uphold one of Cephalofair's core mission statements to minimize randomness and reward player savvy. Hmm. So yeah, it'll be a gloom. The Gloom Master will take you through things, and uh, yeah. It's let's see, uh, it's a card management. In, I don't know, man. I don't want cards to hold in my hand when I'm role playing. My hands need to be free for beer and pizza, not cards <laughs> that I'll get pizza grease on. So you'll have to load up your fingers with little pretzels and hold your cards in the other hand. Mm, could be. <laughs> Like, have you ever seen... Bubbles. <coughs> well, America's you... finger hat. <coughs> they actually... And a beer hat. And, they, and you're good. They actually sell <laughs> various types of devices to eat wings and stuff on that are basically just finger gloves. As in, the, you know, they just cover your fingers. Finger condoms, I suppose. And uh, yeah. for you to... Like, like mittless finger gloves? I guess. <laughs> you know, just to do stuff like that and... I don't know. Maybe if I'm not but lazy, I'll pull it. Weird. I'll, I'll toss some on the uh, show notes. We can take a look at that. Let's see. Oh, that'll make my nice. desk. Alright, so that's that's the end of it. It's been like three weeks, but we finally got it. Maybe we'll do some prep next time where we could do some kind of like Christmas episode where we can talk about like movies and TV shows that are Christmas related and, you know, like Christmas, like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, wish list, stuff like that. Like, what do you want? Uh, yeah. What a good gamers buyer's guide or some shit like that. And, um, yeah. So anyway, all right. All right. So, uh, that's it for now. And we'll say goodbye. 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 Be nice to people.